Hello and welcome to Inspired, your grown-up girl talk. I'm Stacy Fleece, co-hosting today, as always, with Samantha Tredelius. Samantha, how are you today? Hey, girl. Hey, I love today's topic. I love today's guest, and I love you. And I'm so glad to see you again. I uh, well, I love you too. And it honestly, this topic makes me a little nervous as I now have worked my way into middle age world, and I wonder if my children are going to take care of me when I'm older. I'm not holding my breath. Um, so, so let's dig in on this. So we have with us today, Liz O'Donnell, who is the founder of Working Daughter. Um, Liz, first of all, thank you for being here with us today. Really appreciate your time and your story. Thank you. I'm already laughing because not many people say they love this topic. Um, I talk about disease, dying, dementia, depends. So everybody keep listening. It's fun. It, this is going to be a good time. Like if you've never thought dementia was fun, we may make a we may make it laughable. Um, so your company, Working Daughter, really dedicated to keeping family caregivers in the workplace. And how many times have we heard about people who've had to give up careers or 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 change lifestyles dramatically to take care of older parents? They talk about the whole sandwich generation, right? People taking care of their children still and taking care of their adult or obviously adult parents. Um, and they are sandwiched in between. And it really is kind of causing people like me concern, partly because I could end up in that shortly here. And as I get older, like what I, I get, I don't know. I think about it. Like, am I going to just die on the streets? That would be sad. <laughs> Liz, tell me I'm not going to die on the streets. Sorry, you're not going to die on the streets. In fact, one of the first line of my book, I think is, uh, I say, I think, cause there's the first line of the intro and then the first line of the actual chapter one and chapter one is the problem is nobody dies anymore. And that was a statement I made to my sister, which was totally probably inappropriate and irreverent. But the that's the thing we like, we grow up thinking, you know, I mean, I don't know, I do, but you you, you grew up thinking like, oh, someday my parents are going to die and I'm going to be really sad. Or like someday I'm going to, you know, fall down and die on the street. And that's really sad. But what we don't think about is people actually age and live for a long time. And now, you know, with this rapidly aging society and people living longer, people live for a while with chronic illnesses and somebody has to take care of them. Well, so you're going to okay. be sick for a long time. How's that? Do you feel better? I do feel better. I've always said I'm okay getting old as long as I'm not old. Like mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I could old as a number I'm fine with old, like old, like not being able to do stuff that I had dinner. I had dinner on Saturday night with two couples. One, uh, the husband had a mom who's 103 and the other one uh, had a mom who's 102. Oh my God. So uh, this is, this is real. This is yeah. reality. Um, tell, back us up a little bit though. Tell us how Working Daughter came to be. It's By the way, I love the company name. I love the, I love everything you guys are doing, but the name is perfect. Thank you. Thank you. There was actually one of those moments, like, like in a cartoon where, you know, when you see the light bulb go over the head of the cartoon character. So there was a day, it was, I don't know, probably 2013, I think. So going back when um, I was working full-time PR firm. So, you know, billable hours, deadlines, intense. My two kids were probably elementary, middle school, I don't know, somewhere around there at the time. I had just written my first book, which is called Mogul Mom and Maid. It's all about what I call the chore gap and the fact that women do more housework and childcare than men, regardless of who works in the family. 
Um, except for me, my husband was a stay-at-home dad, so I did have it a little easier than other people. But um, there was this one particular day, my parents had stopped driving. They lived about an hour away. My mom had a doctor's appointment. So, you know, you get up at like between five and six and I would send like a ton of emails because even though I had the day off, clients and coworkers still email you and I call it air cover, right? Like send send a bunch of emails and keep them busy so you at least get a few hours. And then I drove to my parents' house. I had an article due to the Huffington Post that day. Of course, I hadn't started it. So I dictated into my iPhone as I'm driving down the highway. I get to my mom's house in time, just in time to get her in the car, take her across town to the doctor. And she is stepping into the shower when I get there. And I'm like, mom, like, we got to go, you know? And she says, Elizabeth, please don't rush me today. And I'm thinking like, oh my God, I've been up since six. It's now 10. And like, I'm rushing you. Okay, don't I yell at your mother. An hour. And... Yeah, yeah. Miraculously, the doctor was able to push us back an hour, but that means my whole day is pushed back. And you don't just pick up your elderly mom and take her to the doctor and go home. You take her to lunch. You take her to the pharmacy. There's a change in meds. Get to my their house. My dad has a question about his computer. Then I have to hop in the car, running behind schedule, because that night I was giving a talk to a bunch of new mothers at some event about my first book. Um, and of course, I get home. I've got to get the article to the Huffington Post. I always kind of had this vision. I'd become an author. I'd wear really pretty dresses, have, you know, a blowout and like be this, you know, beautiful speaker like the ones I go see. But all I did that day, I think, was brush my teeth. Right. And then I show up and, you know, the irony to tell these young women about how if they just listen to my advice, they can balance it all. And meanwhile, I'm having like the crappiest day of my life. Anyway, I'm driving home that night. It's now about 11 p.m. after the event and I'm at a red light. And I remember thinking, and of course my first book came out like months after um, Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg, which is why you've probably never heard of it. Um, and I remember thinking like, Liz, there are so many people trying to help working mothers, but who's going to help you? who's going to help the working daughter. And that was where the name came from. And that was that actual, like at the red light in my car moment that I realized there was this huge unmet, unmet, untalked about need. I love it. And I think there's this under tell of conversation that never gets to be had about my mom and I always joke, it's the, if I have a vagina syndrome. And that means that I now assume a lot of household duties that I never signed up for because I have a vagina. And now as our parents age, I mean, it's like, we, what are you gonna do? Say no? Like, of course I'm gonna do whatever I can. It's my mom, it's my dad. And, but yet you still have all these other things going on. So, you know, bringing this conversation to the forefront, I think is so incredible. And, and to find that, I hate the word balance, okay? Cause it doesn't exist, but to find that method of the madness um, that you're able to kind of break down for us is fantastic. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, 40% of all family caregivers are actually men. So it's not a massive split, you know, 60, 40, but the expectation. And I think that's what you're getting at. And I think often there's a, there's a phrase in elder care. You hear it from nurses, home, homemade workers, people is there's always one. And it doesn't matter if you're one of six or you're, um, you know, a solo child, but there tends to be one um, adult child who kind of steps up and takes on, um, the lion's share of the elder care. And I think that person often tends to have a lot of, you know, similar traits with other caregivers. And that is that we've been raised to be, you know, we were the ones who were raised to get all the gold stars and be the good girls, right? So 
be a good daughter and a good girl, then be a good student, then be a good employee, then be a good wife and be a good mother. And then all of a sudden, boom, be a really good daughter. And it's not anything we ever thought about, planned for, got any training for. And sometimes it really sucks, but you better go through it. Like I say, when I was looking for advice, when it was really crashing down on me, all the websites were like butterfly and unicorns, like what a blessing to care for those who cared for you. And in my head, I'm like, this sucks. And that led me to feeling really guilty that I must be the only daughter on the planet who didn't go through it, you know, with angel wings. But it's also like super scary. Sorry to interrupt, please. Because you're, you're dealing with like the, the act of the, you know, we need to take care of one another, but it's also like the emotional thing of like, this is your parent and this is your person. And now they're getting old and, you know, the inevitable is going to happen and you got to deal with that whole emotional mind fuck. And it's just like, you know, you don't, you don't know what is what. That, I mean, and that's part of it that, you know, people conflate, I like to say, elder care and child care. I mean, there are obviously some similarities and certainly when we talk about the workplace and the challenges, blah, 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 but there are some massive differences and you really touch on one of them, which is like, this is your whole, I mean, obviously if you have children, your identity kind of changes and, you know, it's profound, but like, these are the people who are supposed to be there for you. They're your people. Like you said, they're your safety net. And so not only are you caregiving, which is intense and hard and has all the stuff that goes with it. And it's a time challenge and all that. But it's also, you're you're not talking about like the joy of bringing a new life into the world, which is, you know, usually full of hope in the future and, you know, optimism. You're looking towards the end of life, which no one wants to look at. None of us were really thinking about. Um, and it's your person. And all of a sudden, like, but that's the person I go to. And now I'm the person they go to. Like, who am I? <laughs> Who's my, my, you know, the buck actually stops here. <laughs> I don't want to be the here, you know. It's really so intense. When I, before I had my first child, um, you know, there was all these classes that you could go take at the hospital, like how to change a diaper and how to feed the baby and how to burp them and, you know, do like how to put the car seat in, all this stuff. Um, I got to tell you, if tomorrow the world changed and I had to take care of my mother, I, first of all, I have, I have no healthcare experience. I can barely put a bandaid on and make it stick. Like how <laughs> is somebody like me supposed to figure out how to care for a parent? Yeah. I mean, and that's the stuff, I mean, that's the stuff my soapbox is like made of it. That's just stuff that really makes me crazy and under and learning and, and looking in this industry is that. There is so much medical care being administered at home by non-medical personnel, meaning, you know, adult children, adult daughters and sons. Um, caregivers are, you know, I just think about my caregiving experiences. There was wound care, there were injections, there was an I, you know, an IV at home and the pole would get tangled. I mean, just never mind just sorting, you know, 14 different pills in those little plastic boxes. So, and yeah, I'm a writer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't like bodily fluids. I'm not in all your past experience. Yeah, I'm not particularly compassionate. I mean, all you know, and I I get it on the band-aid if it is not super dry, if after you wash that hand or whatever, right? So yeah. um I think people would be surprised how much medical care is done in the home 
by untrained family caregivers. And there are no mommy and me type you know, courses like me and mommy no. type stuff. And no. there are laws about when people are discharged, you know, how the caregiver is supposed to be communicated with, but hospitals aren't adhering to it. There's like some crazy statistic that about 50% of people show up at the hospital and the person they're caring for is discharged that day with zero notice. Which is crazy. And the Thanks. other thing to think about is the subject of care typically can be kind of ornery. So I remember when my grandma was with me and, you know, she, I think they're a little more ornery because they're your people, but, you know, they're not exactly super, you know, pleasant all the time. And so there's that angle that you're going to deal with too, because they don't like that they're getting old either. And so then there's that whole dynamic going on and it's so incredibly over the top, just spiraling emotions and frustration. Yeah. And the working daughter community brand business is all about that person, the working daughter. So like, this is where people come to say, it sucks. They're cranky. I can't listen to law and order on volume 100, one more minute, you know, like whatever it might be. Um, and though, and everything you just said is happening to the people that we are caring for, which is they're grieving their loss of independence. They're facing down their end of life. Like, yeah, they're cranky and their worlds often get a lot smaller. So you hear people say like, you know, my mom called and said, when you can get to it, we come over and mow the lawn. And then the next day, like, don't forget, I'd like you to mow the lawn. And then the next day, like, you come to mow the lawn, right? And they're like, oh, I have a life because their worlds are getting smaller as they're able to do less. And so all of those things are coming together. Well, what a gift to have that community where you have that safe space and no one's going to judge you for being like, I can't do this one more time. I cannot do this one more day. I can't drop everything and go mow the lawn. Right. Um, so I, fantastic site, fantastic community. So many people need this, but you even go a step further because you also rank best places for working as working daughters, because this is as working children, but working daughters, because this isn't just about what we can do as individuals. If we're maintaining that career and we're keeping that career, it's also, there's gotta be a level of expectation of what our what our companies will give us, how, how our companies will support us in this adventure. So um, let's go a little bit about that. Like what kind of support are you seeing from companies, especially the ones that are making your best places list, which you've got your second list coming out this year, right? Mm -hmm. This yep. fall. Yep. So uh, what are the best companies doing to support us in this endeavor? You know, it's been interesting. I, when I started the list a year ago, I thought like, oh, I'm going to list a hundred companies and I listed 10. So no, um, they, could you even find a hundred that were doing? No, anything? I couldn't find a hundred. That's exactly why. Um, I mean, and there are companies out there, but um, it's just, it's not top of mind for companies yet. It's not the, the priority. And I get it. Companies are under a lot of pressure to deliver a lot of social solutions to employees. I mean, we, you know, we look to our companies now, especially as we went through the pandemic for so many people, like your place of business is like so many people, it's their only sort of safety net, if you will. So companies are under a lot of pressure to do a lot and they need to do more for caregivers. So no, I couldn't find a hundred companies, naively thought I could. I did talk to a number of companies that said, whoa, we can't make this list, but our goal is to make it in the next few years. So I felt like that was progress. We're, you know, um, opening eyes and starting the conversation. So that was huge. We'll see how we do this year. I'm not sure yet. Um, applications are still open, but so there's not like one 
formula. I mean, a lot of companies are offering, you know, flex is huge. It's probably the number one thing. Um, and I just read an article today in the Wall Street Journal about, was it farmer's insurance that promised people could stay remote? And then um, we're like, sorry, we're pulling everybody back to the workplace and the, the workers are revolting, which is, you know, you're hearing more and more about that. So flexibility is like, is table stakes, as they say, that has to be part of the equation. But all kinds of interesting stuff on the list last year, like companies that understand that employees need more bereavement. Now, that's not necessarily part of the active care, but it's often, you know, an outcome. And working daughters are carrying a lot of grief around, even before, you know, for all the reasons that you two just pointed out, like the people you're caring for are losing independence. You're seeing your your people change you know that's that's loss 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 so um companies that are getting smarter about bereavement companies that are doing in-home assessments for elderly so you say you know mom and dad are starting to struggle and need more of my help and they'll send somebody out and say well like let's take up the area rugs because they're you know a slip uh, a trip hazard and let's add um you know grab bars in the bathroom and so doing those kinds of assessments so all kinds of interesting things because to the point, you know, that Samantha was making, there's so much emotional and intimate part of elder care that we can't outsource. But if companies can help employees outsource the task part of it, that at least shifts a large burden. So I haven't seen any companies, but I would put them on the list if they said, you know what, we give away a ton of like TaskRabbit, Thumbtack, and um, Grubhub gift cards to our caregivers. Because like, what are the things that you just can't get to because you're caring for? That that might make the list. Um, and then companies who are, um, you know, and this is few and far between, but there are companies offering um, backup care. So, you know, companies offer backup child care. Well, what if that home health aid doesn't show up? And, you know, dad has dementia. Well, you can't leave him at home. So that means you can't go to work. So backup care um, is one that um, makes a company stand out, which is nice. And then companies that are offering concierge services. So there are some great uh, companies that are offering concierge services through your HR benefits. So you go to HR and you say, you know, this is happening. And through your benefit, either the EAP or your um, health insurance, they're offering like a a care manager who's like, I got this, I'm going to find you the home health aid, and this is the best assisted living facility. And so um, the companies that are offering that benefit also rise to the top. Yeah, that feels like that could be in many, many parts of our lives. Um, I want to talk about the mental health factor of the working daughter, because we all know what the mental health can be of the working you know, woman in general, when she's got all the things all the time. And now we throw in this little nugget of chaos, you know, and you just mentioned the word dementia. I mean, to, to be around someone who's going through that and trying to make sense of it, um, just as a one line item, I mean, that can really be, I, I would imagine, extremely taxing on anyone, let alone someone who's trying to work and keep it all together. Yeah, and I think that's part of this this grief and recognizing that grief is a reality among caregivers and that grief is in the workplace, whether you know it or not. And, you know, well before anybody has a family member, you know, pass away and they get those lovely three days off, right, to, to plan the funeral, go to it, you know, get over it and come back to work. Um, people are going through these grieving processes as they see the changes and that that plays a big factor in mental health. Um, 
a lot. I just did a working daughter just did a survey of our community, um, asking them about work and care and what they really wanted to see. And one of the findings that came out of that uh, flexibility was number one, by the way. But one of the findings that came out of that was how many of these working caregivers who live with the person they care for, which means they're on the clock 24 seven. You know, you, you hear about the second shift with um, child care. Well, we, this is like a third shift on top of that, right? Where you're at the office all day long or on Zoom all day long, and then you're caring for somebody, you know, through the night who might need assistance getting up in the middle of the night. Or um, so, you know, the all the stuff you might expect that impacts uh, mental health, right? Sleep, um, exercise, stress. But if I can jump ahead, there is some research that I found in um, writing the Working Daughter book. And that is that there are two professors, um, one's at University of South Florida, one's at Johns Hopkins. And they, um, they've they been studying the stress of family caregivers for years and everything you know that I just talked about and that you would imagine are true, right? That, that caregiving can lead to you know, all kinds of stress-related issues. And after caregiving, they have some uh, more recent research. When they compared caregivers to non-caregivers, caregivers had better physical strength, better cognitive ability, better um, sense of self-esteem and better like sense of connection with other people. And they call it the caregiver's gain. It hasn't gotten a lot of attention, but I feel like it should, because to me, it's kind of like exercise. Like I don't like to, but I exercise because I know two things, one, that it's good for me. And two, that I always feel good for having exercised, even though I don't enjoy going through exercise. And I feel like if more people understood that the experience of caregiving as difficult as it is, when you're on the other side of it has a real gain um, because there's really nothing like knowing that you showed up like a total warrior, you know, with everything you had for the person that you love in their most vulnerable moment. Like that's a feeling that carries that even though cry. I, Thank you, Liz, for making me cry. But it is the truth, right? I mean, it is it is the the honest truth. It's it's mm -hmm. this success moment of like, hey, I did this, but it's also it's it's painful to go through. And mm -hmm. you know, we're all gonna go through it in some way, shape, or form. And you know, it's it's one of those things we can't avoid. Right. Right. Yeah. And I mean, this, I went through it, I wrote about this in the book, eating Twizzlers having coffee and so much caffeine during the day that when I would get home from like, whether it was hospice or assisted living or memory care or the hospital, then I would drink white wine to try to, you know, bring the caffeine. The cocktail of awesome. I love when people are like, tell me your self-care tips. I'm like, that's a joke. But, um, <laughs> but it's, so it's nice to know that, you know, after the effects of that, the pounds, the sugar, the caffeine, the stress, that there's, there's an upside, you know, there's a, there's a gain when you get through it and you're able to reflect on it. I would, I would not have thought that existed. That's actually, uh, that's actually a very cool outcome. Mm -hmm. This seems to me like a very isolating activity though. Um, and, and obviously you are building a community around that for all these people who are undoubtedly feel very isolated. How are they finding you? How are they finding their way to this community and to your site and, and to your, your resources? Uh, because there is nothing really like that out there outside of working daughter. 
Yeah. And I worry about that every day because my community is in the thousands and my math tells me there are 23 million working daughters. I mean, truly working daughters. And some of the, obviously some of the caregivers in our community aren't going to work and that's totally fine. And we have men in our community as well. We call them because our, you know, we shorten working daughter to WD. Um, so we call the guys, the working dudes. So they're still WDs. And there we go. Yep. Yep. WDs. Um, but I worry about that because I'm in the thousand, you know, tens of thousands and there are 23 million. So there's so much more where I just worry about that person who's alone, who's feeling so isolated. Um, so I do, you know, I, I, my background is in PR. So I, you know, I do a lot of contributed articles, I'm, you know, kind of a media whore in the sense that I just want to get the word out there because people do come through, you know, articles and um, hearing about it and then word of mouth, like, um, we have a couple of screening questions to join the community. It's a private Facebook group. Like I don't like, um, or I, I try not to let vendors in there. I don't want anyone doing market research on us or, you know, reading the group to, so that they can build an app or that sort of thing. Certainly app developers and others will come to me a lot and say, you know, can I have the intelligence of the community? And we do that transparently, but I, I just don't want them to be in there feeling like people are watching them. So you have to be an active caregiver to be in there. Um, so there's, you know, really one screening question that really matters. Um, but often, so, you know, every day we go through the the um, requests to join the group and see if people are actively caregiving, do everything we can if they miss that question to track them down and find out because we don't want anyone to not have access to the community if they need access to the community. But every day I also see like, I don't know, say three to 10 people who are joining because someone in the in the group um, like invited them. You might come in in the morning and like, I see that Stacy's invited 10 people and it's like, okay, so Stacy is really getting something out of this right now and knows of some other people when she's reaching out and that feels really good. There's something about the arms of a community too, when you're going through something that only someone else who's going through it can really connect with. And just going back to that aloneness and, and creating a space that says, Hey, you're not alone. And, you know, I too listened to law and order last night at decimal 27 and, you know, you're not alone um, <laughs> because it is so hard. And it's, it's just, I mean, my parents are still youthful. My husbands are kind of preaching um, on that. And you're, you start noticing things that are, that are happening and you're like, okay, you know, he and I have started to have some discussions because I know that a lot of that would, would, I'm the only female that's really in the space of taking care of that. So now I'm, you know, going to have to assume some roles there when the time comes. And, you know, it's like, can you prepare for it? I don't know. I mean, or is it just, you kind of strap in and off you go when you need to. I mean, what is your best advice there? Both. Both. <laughs> um, there are some things you can do. And we have a, and I'm happy to share the PDF with um, you. We have a caregiver 101 guide. Um, and it's it's basically designed to answer that question, where do I start? Because there are people who think about it or see it, you know, see the signs of it, but where do you start? Like, and that was my case. Like, I knew my parents needed more care, but one, I didn't know exactly what they were going to need. And two, I didn't know how I was going to fit it into my life anyway. So then I'd just sort of wait till the next sign. And then I'd have some, you know, insomnia nights, and then I'd wait till the next sign. And then there's a crisis. Um, so if that happens to people, I tell them not to feel bad. They're, you know, they're in the mainstream with that. But this uh, PDF that we put together, this Caregiving 101 guide, it, it breaks down three areas. Because I think if you can get organized in these three areas, 
at least you're ahead of the game. Like, do I understand my parents' medical situation? Do I know who their doctors are? Do I know what insurance they have? Do I have a copy of their insurance card front and back? Um, you know, do I have a list of their medications, why they take them? I mean, if you can just, no, so they're I checking. None of those just, things. I have none of those things. Um, and you know, not every parent's going to share it with you and offer it up. And so the other thing I say to people is if if you get the crisis call, which is a very common entry point into caregiving, and you don't have that, don't panic. Millions of people go through it this way and figure it out and put it together. But if you know it's coming, and basically if you're a human, it's coming, right? Um, <laughs> then then if you can start to have these conversations and go to, get organized around medical financial, you know, will my parents put me on the bank account as power of attorney or even just co-signing checks just so I, you know, do I know their passwords? Do I have any sense of their finances? Will they let me? Do they have power of attorney? And then housing. If uh, Because one of the main shockers, I think, for so many caregivers is they get to the point where their parent can't age at home anymore and they they go through the mental, emotional, logistical stressors of, you know, actually addressing, hey, mom and dad, let's, you know, maybe move out of the house. And people don't have any idea that most senior living is private pay. I don't know. I think we just kind of go along in this country because we don't talk about aging enough. And we just think there are social structures that are going to help. And assisted living is thousands of dollars per month rent memory care is even more expensive and it's private pay so if you can and and also people who have the the funds to do the private pay don't know the difference between assisted living and maybe skilled nursing so they put their parent in an assisted living home and then they don't understand why there isn't a medical staff so that's the third part of this caregiving 101 guide it takes you through the different options and as society um, you know, we're really focused on aging in place, which I get, you know, who doesn't want to leave their home necessarily, but then thinking through, okay, so you want to live at home. Are you willing to have a home health aid come in? Are you willing to put those grab bars in place? You know, for my mom, cause she had osteoporosis and she started out like five, nothing. And she shrunk to like four, nothing. Um, one of the simple things we had to do, but it wasn't until she fell a couple of times reaching we had to move all the dishes down in the cat from like the top cabinets to the bottom cabinets because she'd reach up and the more she shrunk, she was on her toes and bad balance and the poor thing fell and broke her wrist. And like, now I know to always think about that, but I didn't know that you know, before. So there are a few things you can do to get organized in it. And I think the financial piece is such a big piece that, you know, once you get over the emotional part of, you know, that bucket, then you've also got this financial stress bucket that is a whole nother bag because- if there isn't funds there, if mom and dad aren't set up, then unfortunately, as working daughters and sons, then it becomes, you know, a family expense. And, you know, so many people are living just paycheck to paycheck anyways, to now throw in another situation. I mean, it's just, we could go on and on, Liz. This topic is so prevalent and so important. Where can our listeners find more information and how do we get them to you? Must be my marketing background, but everything is under workingdaughter.com. So working daughter, the book, working daughter, the Facebook group, working daughter, the website, it's all under workingdaughter.com. I love it when you make it easy. Uh, you are incredibly inspiring. You kind of ripped the, ripped the bandaid that we couldn't stick on off a topic that is so uncomfortable for so many of us. Thank you for shedding a light and thank you for being a beacon of light for uh, women and men out there. We hope that everybody found this week incredibly inspiring. We know we did.